This is HRT, a podcast featuring interviews with HR leaders, researchers, students, and influencers. HRT takes trending topics and research in human resources, steeps them for 30 minutes or less, and leaves you with fresh brewed ideas on how to drive high-performing, inclusive organizations and create meaningful work experiences. HRT is brought to you by Villanova HRD, the graduate programs in human resource development at Villanova University. I am here with Dr. Larry Cousins, who is actually the one who brought me here into the HRD program, and I am quite excited to be handing over the torch this season of hosting the HRT podcast to you, and I'm excited to be interviewing you for our first episode. That's great to be here, and I'm very proud of all the things that you've been able to accomplish and carrying the torch forward in terms of the HRD program now that I'm towards the end of my career here at Villanova. Well, we'll never officially let you go, Larry. You'll always be a part of the legacy of this program. So. That's true. And teachers never really fade away. They just go into adjunct status. So. <laughs> That's right. All right. So tell our listeners a little bit about your career journey in HR and then into academia. I started way back and for a small HR consulting company. Back then, it was called Personnel Manager. So that gives you an idea how far back. Uh, this was a small company that went to smaller businesses that didn't have the need for a full-time personnel manager. It was a great place to learn the business, to learn you know, because I had support and I would do whatever it was that that small business needed. Eventually, I, I moved into three major corporations over my career, Cigna, back then it was INA, SmithKline Beecham, which is now GlaxoSmithKline, and McKesson, and a couple of other smaller consulting or sales spots in between. I started actually as an HR generalist and then moved into learning and organization development as I had that course here in the HRD program. And so that, that's when I really truly found my, my passion. So as I said, I graduated from the HRD program. A couple of years later, I was wanting to continue my education and I was thinking about a certificate program and I saw a PhD program in organization development. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do work, I might as well get the degree. That may have been a, a fallacy in my thinking. I don't know, because it was a lot of work. I earned the PhD right before the beginning of the turn of the century. And about eight years later, when all of corporate America was downsizing, that degree came in really handy. It basically it opened the doors for me here at Villanova and the start of the development of the online HRD program. And I have loved every minute of and some were frustrating, but I've loved a lot of what's happened here with the HRD program in the online space and now combined into, uh, into one organization. Well, we love all that you have helped us to accomplish in this program, Larry. And it's funny you say the turn of the century, getting your degree. It doesn't feel like that should be not that long ago, right? Like that seems like it should have been forever ago, but it wasn't that. It really, it really wasn't that long ago, right? Exactly. 21 years. Right. Um, all right. I, so I, I dro- literally, I dropped my the final copy of my dissertation in the FedEx box on 
New Year's Eve, 1999. We just wanted to get it in right before that Y2K issue, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, so a question that we tend to ask a lot of our guests on this podcast is about their HR soapbox. And what we mean is just their, you know, their passion in HR, something that really gets them fired up or excited about HR, or even just passionate in, you know, like, oh, everybody gets this wrong about HR. Like, so what is your HR soapbox? What really gets you fired up and excited in the field of HR? My doctoral degree was earned at a place called Fielding Graduate University, which is based in Santa Barbara, California. It was one of the real early leaders in distance learning back into the 70s, uh, Malcolm Knowles model of contract learning, self-directed learning. And so I have been very keenly interested in what it is that enables people to learn via technology-supported environments. That's maybe a long way of saying it. Basically, when I started, modems still made noise, and you paid for the internet by the minute. And <laughs> we have come a long way in terms of technology since those days. Yes, I would agree that it was quite a bit different in terms of text-based learning at that point versus what we have now with Zoom and cameras and uh, all kinds of supportive technology. Fortunately, I have been, or maybe unfortunately, I've been on the bleeding edge of technology throughout my corporate career, several jobs that were involved in technology-based learning in those corporations, and came to Villanova right at the start of the online program. So we've been through, as you also know, we've been through several changes in technology and course design and curriculum update. And it's always a challenge to try and stay current with the technology. Learning and development obviously has, has been my passion since I've discovered it here in the program and, and have taken it along the way. I think just recently with the pandemic forced remote learning and remote work, it has now taken e-learning to another level much more rapidly, whereas it might not have gotten there at this point in time. But now people are going, hey, that, that works. You know, that's, that's not so bad. That's really where my passion is, is in e-learning and helping to make that as effective as, as you possibly can. Love that, Larry. And it fits so perfectly too into what um, I know your plan for the rest of this season for HRT is in thinking about all of the changes that the pandemic and COVID have caused in the HR space. And particularly all of those things that you just mentioned were not new um, before the pandemic, but they are being rapidly changed throughout corporations in how we think about that kind of technology and that kind of design from a work standpoint and also from a support standpoint. So Right, exactly. The same thing happened to e-learning back in 2001 when 9-11 happened. All of a sudden, everybody was forced into using remote methods, WebEx, and that kind of thing to have meetings. And they said, well, wait a minute, why am I on this airplane going all across the country for a one-hour meeting when I could do it via WebEx? So I think we've had a paradigm shift in terms of e-learning again. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll dive in a little deeper into some of those aspects that you'll get into this season. Um, but before we do a little 
little bit more about you, share with our listeners a little bit about some of your favorite aspects of working in HR and maybe some of the stuff you dislike about HR. (laughs) (laughs) HR is quite uh, multifaceted and not all of us enjoy all those facets. Um, So tell us about some of the things that you enjoy and some of the things that you would prefer to let others take on. Yeah, some of the administrative stuff of, of now human resources back then personnel. I mean, the whole profession was only making sure that paychecks were right and the posters were up on the wall and everybody was in compliance and you had record keeping and those kinds of things. So I think HR has obviously come a long way since those days as well. And I'm quite glad to see it as an integral part of the business at this point in time. Yes, we have to earn those stripes. We have to earn that seat at the table. But it's good to see that that HR is now a respected part of, of the business. I also like the fact that Villanova HRD program is a scholar practitioner program and that we are aligned with SHRM, which I think has had a, a major impact on you know making that transformation from being being just in charge of the the company picnic to really being a full business partner. Part of that for me translates in, in the learning and development space, translates into how can learning and development be a part of the strategic initiatives of an organization? How can we, instead of just training and development being a nice to or a necessary because everybody else is doing it, how can we really connect to the strategy of a business and figure out what it is that will help the organization to be successful and have the metrics necessary to be able to show that it can be more than a cost center if we set the financial metrics at the outset and then track that information. I think too many times we just jump right in and deliver what it is that was asked for without actually stopping to justify and to show the benefit to the organization. That's part of what I like. And it's been nice to be able to teach that as well to the students, instead of just being order takers and training deliverers to actually be a part of the, the business success. Any aspects that you prefer not to be a part of in HR? (laughs) Well, I had a short stint at INA in compensation, and that would be one job (laughs) that I would, I was doing job analysis and salary ranges and that kind of thing. And that's not me. (laughs) The numbers just weren't my friends. It's funny. That's actually an area that I don't love. Well, job analysis, I find very interesting, like from a job design perspective, thinking about designing new jobs, but analysis for compensation purposes is absolutely outside of the realm that I like to stay in in HR too. So we have that in common, Larry. Fun fact about you is that you also own an RV and travel our country going to national parks, which I just think is so fun. Tell us why you started on that journey and and what you've loved most about that experience. Yeah, there might be a couple of things that played into that. Even back to my childhood, I was in the Boy Scouts and uh, I went to a place called Philmont Scout Ranch in New Mexico. I loved camping. Only now I'm getting a little older. I prefer to sleep in a bed instead of sleeping on the ground. And also maybe the second thing, when I was with McKesson, I traveled about 75% of the time around the country by plane, obviously. I got not literally, but parachuted into a location and delivered the training and then came home. And occasionally I'd spend an extra day or so. Maybe I'd go skiing or do something. But most times I I wished I could spend more time 
learning this area because the country is just so varied. Uh, I picked up photography at some point. I decided that I wanted to be a better photographer in, in retirement. Saw something online about the optimal route around the country to hit all the national parks. And I guess that was it. It's also great from the standpoint of learning. I've had to learn so much about what vehicle to purchase, what trailer to purchase, how to make reservations and what the parks are all about and what to do and all that. And so I've just had a, a real love at this point. So this summer, I hope that I will make one complete big round trip all the way and catch the last 14 or 15 of the 51 national parks in the continental United States. And of course, then I always have to start working on Alaska and Hawaii and American Samoa and the last few island parks to, to round out the 63 national parks altogether. That is amazing, Larry. It's so cool to think that you'll have been to all of those and just all of the travels in between and all of the people that you have probably come across. Oh, yeah. It's nice. I go by myself, but you know what? I'm not alone. It's getting more crowded out there. So, <laughs> yeah. It's popular. Well, and actually probably more popular these days due to the pandemic and mm -hmm. some of the travel restrictions and things like that. It's a, it's kind of a nice getaway for people as they think about travel plans. So let's shift a little bit and let's talk about this season. So what do our listeners have in store for them ahead this season? What can they expect around this theme, right? I know that we're thinking about the impact of COVID on the workplace, um, and that is very multifaceted, right? There's so many areas that that can go into. Talk to me a little bit about why you thought that this was the right topic and how this will fit into the larger theme. What kind of themes will you think about? I guess some of the articles that I was reading, like in HR Magazine and in, in some of the e-newsletters that I get, I guess what caught my attention was about the big quit, about the big resignation. And it got me wondering, well, why is that? What's related to that? So I had to get up from that one theme. And then I started thinking about the bigger picture. And then it started, you know, getting into remote work and what it's going to take to you know, potentially get people back to the office. And there's just a whole bunch of, you know, hybrid workplaces and it started to blossom out from that. So that's when I came up with, uh, well, it would be too narrow to talk about just one of those. So you know, that's why I wanted to go with the impact. I also think that some of this may be short-term and some of it will be long-term that we wanted to be as broad as possible because some of it will have definite long-term impact on HR and on the way we do business and the way we work and, and relationships and management and leadership and teamwork. And so there's a lot of nuance in all of that. We'll start big and we'll see what we can do to tease some of it out. Yeah. Well, tease out, give us a little bit more of what some of those nuances that you're thinking about, what will those look like throughout the episodes? Okay. Let's talk about remote work. First of all, not everybody's eligible for remote work. I think we learned that there are essential workers that need to show up at a workplace. What's going on with that? And in fact, there may be remote workers that have up to this point in time been required to be face-to-face, -face, like in the Wall Street investment bankers. And we're finding that we can do this remotely, that there's lots of possibilities for ways to do business differently. And so I wonder 
if some of that is just temporary or whether that will be sustained. Along with those lines, then along with remote work, there's questions about careers, particularly women's careers, about onboarding and socialization. You don't have the water cooler conversations, informal conversations and the teamwork. I know we've even experienced that here within the department. So there's a lot of differences. It's interesting that even some of the new hires in the past year haven't even seen the office yet. They've just been remote workers. So I'm wondering about the company culture as a result of of all of that. I was reading some articles also about returning to the office and what companies are trying to do now to entice people to come back to the office, even on a part-time basis. And maybe this is tied into the big quit. I don't know, but we'll find out a little bit more where they're reluctant to come back. Maybe not just because of pandemic, but because it worked out a whole lot better from the standpoint of work-life balance. And, and that they found that there was little or no impact on productivity or creativity, or maybe there has been, I don't know. Let's find out from some of the people we're going to talk to. The big quit really puzzles me. My first question was, why? Why are people resigning? And maybe it's somewhat related to my thinking in terms of what life is too short. Why should I slave away at some location somewhere for some corporation? If I'm ever going to do anything, let me just get out there and become an entrepreneur or become a consultant. Maybe it's completely changed my careers, do something that I've always wanted to do. You know, some of those things might be behind it. Maybe they're tired of isolation or Zoom fatigue, or there might be psychological things that we can dig into from that standpoint. So I read a really funny article where they're even going public with quitting, which would be unheard of back in the personnel days, right? They're putting up what they call quit talks in, on TikTok. And I'm wondering... What's a future employer going to think about that? So there, there's a whole bunch of that kind of those questions running around in my mind. And I'm looking forward to interviewing the people we have lined up and seeing what their thinking is about that, too. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Larry, too. I think that in our last season, we explored diversity, equity, and inclusion. And one of the mm -hmm. things that kept coming up was it was just a very unique moment in time to explore diversity, equity, and inclusion because collectively, because of the pandemic, we were all at home and we were all experiencing something on a global scale at the same time and being able to have a moment of reflection together and I think that this is very similar, actually. And when we think about the great resignation and people leaving their work for something more meaningful or something more fulfilling or something where they find they get more value, whatever value is that they're looking for, whether that's better work-life balance or better rewards or better meaning in the work itself. But I do think that it goes back to that same collective moment of reflection. Mm -hmm. Like it is very rare that we have opportunities in our life to collectively as a society have the same experience at the exact same time. And I think that we had that with this pandemic. We've all had a moment to reflect on what our work is, where we're adding value and is it really what we want? And so 
Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to know um, from your the interviews that you have ahead for our listeners, if those experts and business leaders think that it has to do with that, or is it something more business focused, economically focused? I'm really interested to hear what they have to say about all of that. I'll refer back to 9-11-2001. There was, I think that was another place where we all went through the same experience right. together. And it yeah. had a profound, a profound impact on people. I'd, yeah. I'd like to get the everyday person's opinion too. So we'll get some yeah. people that are actually in the HR profession, not necessarily in terms of leadership, but find out, or maybe we can find some people that have actually struck out on their own and figured this was the time. So yeah, love that. Yep. Well, I am very excited for the season ahead. And I have to say, I'm very excited to pass the torch. Last season, I got to share the torch with my co-host, Helen Nelson. And this season, I get to pass the torch to you. So thank you for picking it up and keeping it going. And I am excited to see where you take HRT. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. I think this will be really good for me in terms of the technology, because I'm going to learn something as to how to do podcasts. It's something new for me as well. Looking forward to it. Well, thank you so much. And we will look forward to season four. Thank you for listening to this episode of HRT. As your thoughts from today's episode, Steve, share with us what you are brewing using the hashtag VillanovaHRT. That's hashtag VillanovaHRTEA. HRT is brought to you by Villanova HRD. To learn more about the graduate programs in human resource development at Villanova University, and for all the links and notes from today's episode, visit the Villanova HRD blog at VillanovaHRD.com.